please do the right thing and help us close the gap and donate today at kpfa.org. If you've already donated, well, please follow through with your pledge to 94.1 FM, community-powered KPFA. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Jennifer Stone and Cover to Cover. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school, get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up in darkness from the ones who walk in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and I've been gone for three Tuesdays. Everything's still in the same place, still got a microphone working here. <laughs> uh, I, I looked up this morning, and uh, I guess I guess I don't know what I saw. First, I think, well, never mind, never mind. Uh, I was watching Donald Trump for about a minute and a half, and I thought, it's time to panic. And then I slapped myself awake, and I said, no, 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 save it, save it, save it. Uh, today is the 31st of May. June's coming up. Next Tuesday, it's our turn to vote in the California primaries, Hillary and Bernie. Make up your mind. I'm thinking about what each one of those guys would do if given the power of the presidency. How would each one, Hillary, Bernie, how would each one deal with the ISIS crisis? Think about it. I won't even consider what Donald Trump would do. It's beyond my imagination. Ah. First thing today, uh, I wish to thank all those KPFA supporters who subscribed to the uh, station. This is free radio. You are why we exist. Our pacifist founders thought that there were enough citizens right around here and throughout the nation, enough guys willing to support free radio, you know without the commercials and without corporate funding. You know, nobody to tell us what to do. Now, that was in 1949, and uh, you may know, if you are older, uh, you may know that pacifists, war resistors, 
were not exactly popular in the 1940s. Um, World War Two, you remember, was the good war. <laughs> anyway, it was the hardest ever for draft resistors. Uh, although it's never been easy, it's not uh, easy to, what is that, go against the grain. Uh, mm, I'm then trying to figure out where our national psyche is going, and it's very difficult uh, having trouble talking to young men. Anyway, yesterday was Memorial Day, all those war memorials. See, my uh, father, uh, World War Two finished him. Vietnam finished my brother. Uh, let's see. Lover in Korea, that one down, never mind. There's always a war somewhere now. That's uh, the 19... Remember uh, the 1984, uh, the novel by George Orwell. You know, it's just kind of like uh, the whole world simmering, border wars everywhere. Uh, we had the usual ceremonies and uh, the usual gestures were made. At least uh, President Obama went to Hiroshima. He hugged a survivor. Uh, <laughs> But the dead are still dead. The president, of course, was not born until 1961, I guess. 61, right. Let's see. The atomic bomb was dropped August 6th, and then another one on August the 9th. The final obscenity at Nagasaki was 1945. In 1945, I was 12. I saw the celebrations, yes, celebrations, when the bomb fell. Uh, there were people dancing in the streets. Uh, I just uh, had walked out of a movie. It was a matinee movie in San Diego. I lived down there in, in Southern California, in La Jolla. Uh, Saturdays, I went to San Diego to the pictures. The movie I saw was The Bridge of San Luis Rey from the novel by Thornton Wilder. Now, The Bridge of San Luis Rey is a novel in which a priest asks God if there is, if there was any reason why certain people died when the bridge broke, the bridge at San Luis Rey. Five died. Others survived and did not cross the bridge. So, uh, why those five, God? What's your reason, you know? Why those particular people at that particular moment, say, that moment in August in 1945, why those citizens, and not us, but them. Thornton Wilder was examining, you know, human religions, uh, actually the Catholic Church. Uh, he, he was upset with this notion that we reap what we sow. In the novel, the priest is uh, defrocked. I can't remember. I think they burned him at the stake. At least, I think that was uh, what happened in the uh, more recent film. Let's see, Kathy Bates was in that. Never mind. 
Movies, 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 movies. Oh, how I love movies. I can escape any day of the week. Just, just go to the movies. In any case, in the 40s, uh, <laughs> I spent the entire decade in the movies. It was too painful to look at what was actually happening. Besides, uh, it wasn't real, you know. My mother tried to prevent me seeing the films that showed what happened in the death camps. But I saw it, and I still didn't believe it. Uh, anyway, today I want to talk a little bit about religion and its uses and abuses. Uh, church and state. The church and state. Now, when this nation was founded, the idea was to separate once and for all and forever the church and the state. Religion and politics. Okay, that was the plan. We were under threat, yes. Uh, and the uh, English were on our, on our necks. Uh, I'm not sure whether you have noticed the <laughs> historical parallels. A lot of talk about that. New York Times trying to define fascism. You know... Is that man, is that Trump, is he proto-fascist, neo-fascist, pseudo-fascist? Uh, uh, or is he a Nazi? Who knows? Who knows? Everybody is trying to decide. I, I like it when they argue over the meaning of words. I feel like that judge who watched the obscene movies and uh, he's supposed to uh, define obscenity. And he said, well, he, he knew it when he saw it. <laughs> I know fascism when I see it. I think it means that, uh, you know, the boss of it, the one who rules, is the one with the money. Someone once said that fascism is when there's absolutely no difference between the uh, businessmen, the money men, the corporations, let's say here, and the uh, state, you know. They are the state. Anyway, that's one definition. Other people, you know, like the barbed wire and the stuff. I, I guess I go for tyranny. I like nice words like rich and poor. I, mean, I don't even like good and evil. That doesn't make sense. Anyway, there's a show, a wonderful HBO TV show. <laughs> it spells it all out. I love it. It's called Game of Thrones. Now, they are, uh, well, they're not really, really political, but they made a stab at church and state, uh, the marriage of church and state. It's happened, so to speak, in this week's episode. There's the church, that's Jonathan Price. He plays the High Sparrow, which, of course, means the, what is it, the High Priest, he co-opts the state, and the state is represented uh, by the elder grandmother. Uh, uh, she's the monarchy, okay? Now, when the soldiers come to take home their young queen, who's been abducted by the high sparrow, high priest, uh, she's about to do a walk of atonement for her sins. Uh, she's to be humbled, and she's standing there on the steps of... The palace, I guess it is, uh, in her nightshirt, no less. And this high sparrow, this high priest, is faced with 
the uh, army, well, the guard, the military guys, uh, they come marching in and marching in, and we think, uh-oh, he's done for. And all of a sudden, you know, this this guy, this pope, uh, high priest, uh, Atola, uh, Atola, yes, uh, let's see, whatever, uh, he declares that they are all one. Now, an Ayatollah in 1979 was a different story. They sent for him and brought him uh, in and said, okay, you are the state uh, government, all gone. But I love this thing in Game of Stones. It's a great twist in the plot. A Game of Thrones is a long time hit. It's a fantasy, of course, so many symbols and parodies and allegories, it's hard to sort it out, too many characters. But uh, it's kind of like the world we live in, right? It's so many threads in the plot just get lost or tangled. <clears throat> what I like is the medieval stuff, the sets and the costumes. All of that's to die for. That last queen uh, is the present king's mother. In the Game of Thrones, there are, I guess, seven kingdoms, right? Seven or nine? Seven, I guess. Anyway, seven. Uh, now, uh, she, not Diana Rigg, but the mother of the present queen, Diana Rigg's grandmother, she was forced to walk naked. Circe is her name. I think it's Circe. Anyway, she walks through the streets of the city. Uh, it's atonement, atonement for sins. Sins like incest. <laughs> yes. I'm afraid, yes, that required that she be stark naked and they throw mud and filth at her. Anyway, uh, her brother, her partner in incest, is a terrific character. Uh, so far, he's only had his hand chopped off. Another parallel. Uh, another symbol. They call uh, another brother... Let's see, uh, he is her brother, yeah, the queen's brother, the uncle. The Hand of the King, as she's called. He's played by Peter Dinklage. I just like this actor. He's terrific. He's now a major star. Let's hear it for the little people. Oops, I think that's pejorative, politically incorrect, little people. And I think dwarf is uh, very out of date and certainly probably uh, not politically correct. Never mind. I just hope that the message gets through here in the scene when the religious leader steps forward before the palace with the young queen at his side. Diana Rigg emerges from her carriage and... Uh, She's at the foot of the stairs, and the military commander, the uh, queen's brother, he's the, uh, he's the guy with the army. He asks her, what is happening? And Diana Riggs sighs, and she says, they won, they win. <laughs> History is full of all that stuff about battles between church and state. I mean, real history. Uh, around 1979 is probably the biggest, biggest uh, victory for religion in my lifetime. I mean, it's uh, 
pretty obvious. I have fears, of course, for our own country. Uh, fundamentalism seems to be on the rise all around the globe. I guess we were pretty bored. Uh, let's see. The big, the big conflict, Christians and Muslims, but oh, all faiths seem to be suffering from elements of extremism. Zealots, they call them zealots. Uh, Israel being the world's headache, although I tell myself, uh, to be cautious because there are only about 15 million Jews in Israel last time I looked. Well, the numbers, the numbers probably tell the truth. They probably predict the future. I guess if you were one of 15 million looking at a couple of billion you might be nervous, too. Anyway, it's time to review our notes, boys and girls. I found a little handbook late last night by the feminist writer Robin Morgan. And she talks about uh, religion and uh, religion and freedom and feminism and all that good stuff. Here's what she says. I think I'm going to... I sent some of her stuff to... Uh, our representatives, but I'm sure Barbara Lee knows all this stuff. In her little book, in Robin Morgan's little book, Fighting Words, uh, she says, well, the book says, A Toolkit for Combating the Religious Right. She says, Americans who revere the Constitution of the United States and believe in the strict separation of religion and government are in a state of deepening shock and growing anxiety. They include religiously observant people of every faith as well as agnostics and atheists. Most Americans fear sensibly that the ultra-conservative religious right is gaining historic political power. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, she talks about the media. Media savvy movement, uh, well organized with powerful friends in high places. But, she says, average Americans seem to feel helpless to confront them. Most of us haven't read those founding documents since grade school. If then, we assume the United States law has Judeo-Christian roots. Now, it doesn't. She goes on to say that her book is uh, supposed to give us tools for arguing. If you feel like arguing, I don't know. I don't argue with these people. Uh, <laughs> I think you just go where they are and dance. Anyway, she states, Robin Morgan states, we don't know. Most Americans are unaware. They don't know that the Constitution contains not one reference to a deity on purpose. Okay. No God in the Constitution. Can that be? Yeah, that's true. That's true. We don't know. We don't know uh, that Jefferson's original draft of the Declaration of Independence did not mention endowed by the Creator. Now, the original. Now, uh, actually, the, the final draft did say endowed by the Creator. The original, when he was trying to get it right, he, he wrote, 
We hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable, that all men are created equal and uh, independent, that from that equal creation they derive rights inherent and unalienable, among which are the preservation of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Okay. Okay, she goes on to talk about the lies. Uh, Oh, yes, we got them here. Former Attorney General John Ashcroft invoked, quote, the Christian fathers of our country, unquote. Actually, the founders were a hodgepodge of free thinkers, deists, that's Thomas Jefferson, you know, God, but without the... uh, uh, the hierarchy, the organized church. Okay, yes. Free thinkers, deists, agnostics, Christians, atheists, and Freemasons. And they were radical. Uh, for example, Thomas Jefferson said, Question with boldness even the existence of a god. So I said Thomas Jefferson was a deist, whatever that means. Uh, he did not attend services. James Madison uh, wrote, Religious bondage shackles and debilitates the mind. There you go. <laughs> that movie I saw the other day about the Dalai Lama. Uh, the Chinese generals come barging into his throne room and kick kick the Mandela. And the old general says, religion is poison. What was it? Uh, what is that phrase about? Uh, uh, well, anyway, the communist mantra was that uh, uh, religion is poison. Let's see. Ben Franklin says, quote, I doubt of revelation itself. Thomas Paine says, my own mind is my church. That's terrific. That kind of sounds like his contemporary Mary Wollstonecraft. She said, I submit to nothing but reason. Pat Robertson claims that in God we trust was on our currency. And under God was the U.S. motto uh, quote, from 1776, unquote. Are you surprised to learn that neither was the case until the 1950s, you remember? McCarthy era, Huac, all of a sudden, you know, they put God into lots of the old uh, documents. George W. Bush adds, adds, quote, so help me God. Unquote, to his presidential oath of office. Now, did he know he was defying the Constitution? General William Boykin, under Secretary of Defense, announces, We're a Christian nation. That <laughs> says, Oh. Now, the U.S. Treaty of Tripoli, uh, long ago initiated by George Washington, Signed into law by John Adams, the president following Washington. Okay. This Treaty of Tripoli declares, quote, The government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded 
on the Christian religion. You heard it. You heard it. (laughs) Prayer circles proliferate in the U.S. House of Representatives and the Senate, yet uh, the father of the Constitution, James Madison, denounced Oh, denounce the presence of chaplains in Congress? Wow, and even in the armed forces, unconstitutional, James Madison said, right. Now, Cardinal Egan is a front row guest when, for the first time in history, an American president signs a bill outlawing an approved medical procedure. Got that? An American president signed a bill outlawing approved medical procedure, which was uh, emergency late-term abortion. You remember. Uh, (laughs) I do not think that the Congress uh, or the president, any of those dudes have licensed to practice medicine, Uh, Most people believe the Roman Catholic Church's position on abortion is 2,000 years old and infallible, yet the 15th century church considered abortion moral, and even today, the prohibition is not governed by papal infallibility. Uh, In other words, the Pope does not say for for once and for all, that uh, abortion is prohibited. Now, President George W. Bush established an Office for Faith-Based Initiatives, you remember. Uh, That was right there in the White House, and he was in clear violation of the Lemon Test based on a 1971 U.S. Supreme Court decision which begins, any statute for public policy must have a secular legislative purpose. And it then continues with even stronger wording. Okay, it's got to be secular legislative purpose. Our laws must be secular. That's 1971 Supreme Court. Now, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia said, quote, The Constitution, I interpret, is not living, but dead. <laughs> Scalia had a sense of humor. You know, you have to admit. <laughs> Yet, is it, uh, uh, let's see, the uh, conservative, right? A conservative is a worshiper of dead radicals. Tell me about it. Yet, Thomas Jefferson wrote to James Madison in 1789. No society can make a perpetual constitution or even a perpetual law. The earth belongs always to the living generation. Now, that's the biggie. That's the biggie. Uh, Tradition is all very well. (laughs) But it's simply the past. Reverend Jerry Falwell blamed the 9-11 attacks on, uh, uh, quote, the pagans, abortionists, feminists, gays, and lesbians, and other groups 
who have tried to secularize America. Well, Falwell's a bit late. Uh, Alexander Hamilton attacked Jefferson and the other founders for their successful, quote, conspiracy to establish atheism on the ruins of Christianity in our newly formed United States of America. Well, gee whiz, it seems that uh, our revolution uh, took place over the ruins of Christianity. Don't I wish this has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air next Tuesday when we get to vote. Ah, Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Drop the shadow out of the The Bay Area Book Festival returns throughout downtown Berkeley on Saturday, June 4th and Sunday, June 5th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. This free, family-friendly festival for book lovers of all ages is BART accessible. More than 250 authors will participate this year, including Irish novelist Colm Toibin, recent Pulitzer Prize winners T.J. Stiles and William Finnegan, Richard Russo, U.S. Poet Laureate Juan Felipe Herrera, Sherman Alexie, and Rebecca Solnit. Writers from 13 countries, including Egypt, Taiwan, Korea, India, and several European nations will gather to make the Bay Area Book Festival a truly international gathering. The website, baybookfest.org. KPFA proudly co-sponsors the Bay Area Book Festival, happening June 4th and 5th throughout downtown Berkeley. This is a benefit for the Bay Area Book Festival.